Sean. Hey y'all, my, so my name's Sean, I am an addict. I, um, this is my first time talking or sharing at an HA meeting. Um, I think I came to another one in this building on a Sunday night and I might have shared if it was an open share, but um, thanks Eric for asking me to come. I wanna welcome all the new folks and the folks that picked up chips. Um, I 100% agree with the, the dude that said it's not about us when we pick up the chips. So for, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, when I forgot my first like, you know, um, the desired chip I was confused about, or whatever you call your first tag, um, but the 30, 60, 90, like I was collecting them. It was, it was, I felt, I was proud, especially the first time. First time I was ever sober, full disclosure, like uh, like in that reading, I relapsed a bunch of times. And I used to think uh, it was because I wasn't doing the program right. What I've learned is that it's because I'm an addict. Um, I have, uh, <laughs> I have what the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, I identify with the hopeless variety of the alcoholic, um, a hopeless, al alcoholic of the hopeless variety. Um, and, um, and I, and I, I, the only way out is a spiritual solution. Now I'd heard that early on, but I didn't know what that meant and what that looks like. Um, heroin is definitely part of my story. Um, at the end of my very last relapse. Um, I was kicking heroin and alcohol, um, and I went to a non-medicated detox, uh, and it sucked. And I shit my pants in bed and everything. Um, and uh, but uh, and, and you know I and I knew I never wanted to go through that again, but I'd had that experience before. Um, I'd had that experience of being dope sick. I'd had that experience of being of that uh, incomprehensible demoralization, um, and. And I will say that it's harder with opiates, it's harder with heroin because before, usually it's crack and alcohol for me. Um, and I don't, really get, <laughs> I don't really get metabolically addicted to alcohol because I'm smoking too much crack or shooting too much cocaine or whatever. And so um, the alcohol is really to calm me down. And then I learned that heroin's better at calming me down. I still want the alcohol, but um, then I had the heroin around to uh, keep me from going out and doing weird shit at three in the morning. <laughs> to go get more crack. Um, that would stave me off until about eight in the morning to go do weird shit to get more crack. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, and this last time I, I had, I was living in Dana Point. I'm not from California. I came out here to get sober on a PPO plane flight um, at a resort rehab on the hill in San Juan Capistrano. And, uh, and I stayed sober or dry at least for a year. And, um, and I relapsed and, and um, and I'll, I might describe that that relapse a little more later, but the uh, um, it, and when I did, it started out where I just wanted a drink to ease the pain, right? Like I was just not feeling good. Um, I was I, I I met someone in rehab treatment. We we got into this serious relationship, but she was married and from out of state, and and uh, at a, at about a year, we each got a year sober. We each managed to stay sober a year, and uh, um, but at that point, she had decided to start taking suggestions from people around her, I guess, and grew up, and was like, I can't take care of you anymore. We've got this other stuff going on, and I'm and and my my like wounded child, manipulative. I need to get what I need to get came out. And, uh, and it, it got super toxic and, um, and I was not cognizant of this might be my fault. Um, I was just like, this sucks. And I, and, and I couldn't, I couldn't make her do what I needed her to do. I couldn't make God do what I needed God to do. Um, and, um, and I couldn't make life do what I needed life to do. And so I reached for a drink. Um, I, uh, 
it wasn't even something I enjoyed drinking. It was like I worked in a Japanese restaurant and we had sake on tap. So it was free. I don't like sake. It's gross. But I was like, if I drink the whole little, you know, they're like this big. But if I drink the whole thing, maybe that'll help. And it didn't help. But it set off what the big book calls, I don't know if it's the, the allergy. I don't know if I have an allergy to alcohol and drugs. Because, I mean, if you guys have done, I mean, well, you guys have done drugs. Um, you know, like, in particular, when, when I do, when, you know, uh, when, when I get, it doesn't take very long to get a habit and have to do more to feel better, right? Um, and with cocaine specifically, um, as soon as I do some, I want to do more. And I don't know anybody that has a different experience with cocaine. The difference between those, uh, 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 but the, the thing that I noticed that I was different bo uh, with was that like after that weekend where I spent too much money and, and, and uh, upset and let down everybody that cared about me, like I wanted to do more then, or I wanted to go back to it. My friends were like, maybe, maybe you're doing too much, bro. You know, um, or, you know, I'm going to chill out this weekend. I spent a little too much money last weekend and that does blow my mind. I'm like, what does that even mean? Um, and, uh, but back to this, I take the sake, I drink it. I don't like it. It doesn't even really take away that uh, inside. Um, but I'd set something off and they, the book does talk about the phenomenon of craving. And, um, and I can identify with that with pretty much everything. And if it, if it's something that's not, if it doesn't quite settle or solve or at least blot out whatever it is I've got going on inside, I'm going to keep going until I get what I need inside. And for some reason, it tends to be, it does tend to be crack cocaine, Xanax, alcohol, and uh, if there's any money left, some pot. And then in this, uh, but like I was getting to, I, I, I had found out that I could that I could buy crack in Long Beach because I didn't know Santa Ana existed. So for about <laughs> four months, I was driving back and forth between Dana Point and Long Beach. And I had left my ATM card or my debit, all my stuff at like at home um, and just would bring like some cash out to Long Beach because I know me. Like I, a little bit of backstory and I'll make sure, I didn't set the timer up so that I would get sober halfway through, but I'll get there. Um, I, uh, you know, like when, when, I'd been to, by now I'd already been to treatment a bunch of times, right? Um, I mean, I was raised by uh, uh, hippie, I was raised by, uh, uh, how, how do I put this? In the early 70s by a Wiccan lesbian um, feminist mom and, uh, <laughs> and like a, a hippie uh, rock and roll drug addict dad. And, uh, and I couldn't tell anybody and, uh, you know, like I grew, and this was in the eighties, like when, uh, I was growing up in Dallas, Texas, which if y'all don't know, is kind of like the buckle on the Bible belt of the United States. So telling like friends from school that my parents like grew and trafficked marijuana or that, you know, they practiced Wicca, which in the eighties was like basically Satanism. And, uh, I couldn't tell anybody that. And that was, and I just, I don't, I think that had an impact on the way that I related to the world. At least I can identify there my reaction was to not trust and that, and that there was something wrong with me. Um, and then one day when I started to discover smoking pot and drinking with friends, that didn't matter. Okay. Fast forward to a few years later when I, start, when I discovered that shooting cocaine blotted out any problem I would ever have. Then we come back to driving back and forth between Long Beach, uh, you know, 20 years later, uh, we're driving back and forth between Long Beach and, and uh, uh, Dana Point to, to buy this until I'm in a blackout um, DUI accident where I lose my vehicle and I can't drive to Long Beach. So now I'm stuck in this apartment 
with my heroin addict Wook roommate. And I'm like, and he's not driving me to Long Beach to get cracked, but he's got plenty of heroin. And I'm depressed about this girl and, um, and, and, and meth. Um, so we did the meth for a while, and he's like, dude, I can't handle the psychosis. You're just too weird. <laughs> so, so I just, you know, did, did all his heroin. And uh, until one day when he said, hey, man, you got to go. You haven't paid rent in months. I'd already sold like this new guy, all my furniture and, uh, and, and all my, and my spent all my deposit. And, and I had basically was on a mattress in the dining room of the apartment I used to pay rent at. Um, I had stolen this dude's cottons and was doing his wash. And he's like, bro, I got hep C. And I'm like, cool. I already had it. Um, and, uh, and I knew the gig was up. So I drank all the alcohol in the room. Uh, in the house, um, and I got s just stinking whiskey drunk, and I went to the Mission Hospital in Laguna Beach, and I went in there and told them I was suicidal and I needed detox. And they were like, "Well, how's your insurance?" And um, I didn't have insurance anymore, so they're like, "So I checked into a place in Santa Ana, and uh, uh, that uh, we called around and we found a place that specialized in like IV drug users and." And, uh, and they had a county bed that I could get into, and, but they didn't do medicated detox. And they're like, here's the thing, I'm on the phone. I don't wanna be homeless again. I've been homeless before. I've been homeless for two years and I know the kind of stuff I'll do to stay loaded when I'm homeless and I don't like doing that stuff. And, um, and I'm like, I don't wanna do that anymore. Um, there's, there is a piece from the book I'll read. Um, page 25. If you're as seriously alcoholic or addicted as we were, we believe there is no middle of the road solution. I'll get back to this later, that piece later. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible. So at a year dry, when I picked up that sake, that's what I felt like, life was impossible. Um, and we had passed into the region from which there was no return through human aid. Like all my AA friends were trying to, like when I got suicidal, they would come scoop me up. Are you willing to go to um, treatment and all that kind of stuff? And they were like, you just need to share at the group level. And, you know, I was like, dude, that shit ain't working. And um, we had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could. I came from there. I came, I was flown out here to treatment from that place already, right? It was, I was, um, I was just trying to blot out the intolerable existence as best I could. And, um, and here I was again. And I got there at a year separated from drugs and alcohol. So they weren't causing these problems. Um, the other was to accept spiritual help. I had heard from my very first sponsor 20 years ago when he took me through the book and he showed me how to do 12-step fellowships and, and, and he told me, uh, you know, you're going to have to practice 10, 11, and 12. We're going to have to continue to do personal inventory. Um, we're, we're working for that spiritual experience and you're going to have to help others. And, and I, I heard him and, it, and I believed he was sincere, but I really didn't understand what that meant. And um, I thought that that was something that people do when they get a lot of time. And here I was at that point with like a year sober, right? So I'm like, okay, okay. So I'd go through the motions. I'd tell him I did the stuff. He's like, did you meditate? And I'm like, well, I read the St. Francis prayer out of the 12 and 12. He's like, okay, well, that's close. And uh, the, um, but, and then when he asked me to help, when I was supposed to help others, I would, I, you know, I sat down and read the book with a guy once. And, and, um, and then, you know, if he tried to get out of the next meeting, I was like, okay, cool, bro. 
I just wasn't that interested. Um, I didn't really care. I just wanted to feel better. And the stuff that I needed to make me feel better was to like make sure I had the good job and make sure that I secured a, a nice place to live and that, um, the, the, that, I, that I was in the relationship I didn't want to be, that I wanted to be in, right? That I had the chick. And, um, and when that stuff didn't work out, that's when there was problems. So here we are at the relapse. And and um, no longer could I blot out the intolerable existence as best I could. So I show up at this Gary house in Santa Ana, and uh, and and it sucks. And I'm like, I've I've been in and out of treatment for 20 years. I've been out of 12 in and out of 12 step fellowships for 20 years, and I just keep getting loaded. And I'm like, there must be something wrong with me. And I and I heard all y'all talk about like I hear people talk about their relapses. In my relapse, I was calling one of the smartest people I know in, in the 12 step fellowships, and I'm like. And I really, I just wanted him, his, his sympathy, you know, like validation, like, oh, you're okay, bro. And, uh, and I said, uh, you know, like, um, I think there's something wrong with me. I just can't stay sober. And he's like, well, if you're a do or die addict, like I am, and I think you are, you're going to have to have a spiritual experience. And I was like, and I heard him say that. And I was like, I, I don't remember what my reply was, but it was probably something like, you don't get it. There's something wrong with me that's different than you. And you guys just don't understand. And that's really what I believed. So I reached out to this guy, but I'm at this, this sober house. I know I want to stay sober. I need to stay sober no matter what. I have no ability to do so. Um, they're, they're giving me more of these packets and clinical treatment at the treatment center. By the way, I don't, I'm not, and I know I have friends that work in treatment and, and I love treatment for separation. And I learned a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy that helped me get along with people I lived with in sober living. Like a lot of shit that I needed in early recovery. Um, the, uh, um, but mainly I needed a safe place to be separated from the dope so that the, basically it was like, well, if I go out and get loaded, I don't have anywhere to stay. Now, granted, I've done that a bunch of times. I've left and gone and got loaded and couldn't come back. But this time I just didn't want to. And I think, I think God or the universe cut me some slack. So I was able to stay there for 90 days. I told the clinical director like they should do more 12 steps and everything. Because I, I had more experience in treatment and 12 step fellowships than the clinical director. So I should tell him what to do. Um, and I, I, but I reached out to this uh, sponsor that I knew about. I had heard him speak once. He was super popular, circuit speaker guy. And I'm like, um, and to be honest, I reached out to, well, two reasons. One, when, he, when I heard his speaker tape, um, he was talking about he was talking about smoking crack and doing heroin and getting sober in AA, and I had experience like that. He was talking about um, prostituting himself in the skid row and, and, and uh, to get loaded, and I could identify with that. Um, and he was talking about relationships with his, the spiritual experience. I'm like, oh, that's that thing I need. And he was talking about relationships with his uh, son and his mom, and, 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 and it was relationships with people that I loved and cared about that I always let down that, were really, that I was really hyper aware of at this point. Plus, he was super fucking popular, and I'm like, hey, if I get this guy to sponsor me and everybody knows it, they'll forgive me. They'll be like, Sean's doing good now. Let's forgive him, and, and, uh, and I'll be okay. And, uh, so I, and, I, and I hit him up on like Facebook or something. I was like, hey, can you help me with the book? Because in my mind, this guy must know some secret in this book that I'm very familiar with that I can quote from and all that for, from the years and reciting lines from. Um, Basically, just so that I could sound like the recovered people that I knew because I heard power in that. I was like, man, I want to be recovered too. So I said all the same shit they said, but I didn't have the experience. I didn't know what it was. 
But I reached out to this dude and I said, hey, can you help me with a book? And he's like, well, do you have a place where we can read? And uh, I was like, yeah, they, they said we can read here. I'm at the Gary house. He's like, oh, over at 404 Flower Street near the Orange County Jail. And I'm like, yeah, bro. He's like, yeah, I got a lot of friends over there. I'll, I'll see you there. And he showed up. And then when as soon as he showed up, I said, hey, man, listen, um, I did a lot of wreckage in my uh, before this real last relapse. And I got to tell you like who and what, because they were some of them were in the fellowship and some of them were friends of his. And I'm like, he's not going to want to sponsor me when he hears what I did. So I told him the story. And uh, he's like, I didn't know that story, but it doesn't change anything. I'm here to help. And he's like, I can totally identify with the self-obsession. And, um, and, and I, I believed him. Like, it was just like heart to heart, gut to gut, one man sitting, or person, <laughs> addict sitting on, uh, on the other side of the table. I knew that he knew what I had. And um, so we start going through the book and he takes me to page 52. I don't know how much time I got. Um, I'll end it shortly. And he goes, he goes, uh, turn to page 52. We read a couple of things about like sponsorship and stuff, but this was before we read anything else. Oh, he gave me the set aside prayer. He didn't ask me if I believe in God or anything like that. He's like, why don't you do the set aside prayer in the morning at night and whenever you can, cause you need a new experience. Guys like us, we think we know everything there is to know about recovery and fellowship and all this other kind of stuff. And, and we need to set that aside. What we think we know to have a new experience. And I, and I was like, okay. And um, he, he takes me to this. Um, we were having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't, seem, we couldn't control our emotional nature. We were prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. And I'm like, bro, that's exactly what I felt like at a year sober when I picked up that drink. And he goes, well, you were suffering from what the book calls untreated alcoholism. So you treated it with the only thing you knew how, because it was the only thing you had at your disposal, drugs and alcohol. And then it stopped working. And I was like, okay. Um, I was like, here's the deal, dude. I've done AA for a long time, AACA, you know, 12-step fellowships. I've been in and out of the rooms and I told him everything I just told you guys. And, and I was like, but I keep getting loaded. I don't know what the problem is. He's like, well, you're probably, he called it alcoholic. He's like, you're probably alcoholic. And he took, and, and we continued to read um, to where we get to the part in We Agnostics in that same chapter. And see, I knew already like all these consequences, like selling myself and stealing my uh, uh, stealing your stuff, and and um, not never coming home on time, and abandoning my child, and having terrible. I knew all those feelings and stuff. I thought of those as consequences of my using, but I knew that wasn't what the problem was. I'm like, there's something wrong with me. I was like, if I can feel like that without drugs and alcohol in me, what's the, what is that problem? Um, but I also knew that I saw other people that went through emotional disturbance and they didn't do what I did. Um, and he just said, well, if you find you cannot quit entirely, which I quit a bunch of times, or if when drinking or using, you have little control over the amount you take, you're probably alcoholic. And, um, that wasn't actually the quote I wanted, but, but the point was, I was like, I keep going back to it. I keep going back to it. I keep going back to it. And he goes, yeah, you're probably alcoholic and you're going to have to live a spiritual life and I'll show you how to do it. And again, I believed him for the first time. I really believed that this guy had exactly what I wanted or it had exactly what I had, that he was just like me and that he had an answer. Um, he started with, we don't see this as much. I don't see this as much in 
I had a bunch of sponsors before and they talked about the circle triangle and they talked uh, briefly and they were like, oh, you got to keep that in balance and perfect balance or you're going to get loaded. And um, that's not what this guy did, but he showed me the circle triangle and just that's not what this is. This is a record label in New York. I already told Eric, but um, the <laughs> the um, AA let go of the copyright on the circle triangle only because they didn't want to sue the people making chips. But um, I don't know. I, I, so I'm going to research the history later and share it at History Night or something. But um, the point is, he was like, he, this was where he first showed me something I'd never seen before in AA, right? And um, he, he talked about the unity side, and he talked about bringing our bodies to the body of AA or the 12-step fellowship and um, going to meetings. He's like, I'm not telling you to go to 90 meetings in 90 days, and I'm not telling you that meetings are, are going to keep you sober. Because you're not there so you can hear some golden nugget of wisdom that's going to carry you through the day. Um, when you go to the meeting, I want you to be of service to every meeting you attend. And that was like putting away chairs or cleaning ashtrays, whatever the thing was, right? And um, so I had already described to you guys how I felt useless, how I'd let everybody down, how I felt like I was different and separated from you. And all of a sudden, this guy gives me something to do that feels, helps me feel um, useful and helps me feel connected to you. And I could be of service. I knew service, everybody was like, service is key, service is key. You need that for the spirituality. I'm like, you mean I can be of service from day one? And I started doing that. And I started, um, and, and we continued through the steps and I had an experience walking through the steps and building a relationship with this person that's my sponsor that I've never had before. Um, and to fast forward, since I'm almost done with my share, um, the, um, I don't, there wasn't much that this guy showed me that I didn't already know from the book. Um, but I did fall back in love with what I guess is some kind of divine grace from the literature and my experience. I was like, yo, I need to not drink no matter what, but I don't have the ability to do that. I'm a hopeless addict. Like I will get loaded again. He's like, that's right. But at a certain point, like that obsession before I was even in my fourth step was removed. Like when I woke up in the morning, it wasn't like, dude, what am I going to do to get the next one? And it wasn't like, dude, what am I going to do to stay away from the dope? Like I'm in Santa Ana uh, near the Civic Center going on job search, walking right by the library while people are shooting up in open day, like in broad daylight. And I'm not tempted at all. I'm like, what is that? I think it was grace. I made a sincere decision to, pre I, I wanted to protect my sobriety date. I, didn't, I don't want to relapse again, um, but I know that I'm doomed to, to do that. So what is this? And, uh, and I continued to do the work. And at about two and a half, three years sober, I was trying to come up on this amends. Remember the baby mama drama I told you all about? I wanted to try to go fix that, but these people didn't want to have anything to do with me. And I thought that God owed me that. I thought when I made my third step decision that it was like, okay, God, I'll be sober and I'll help other people get sober and you'll fix my whole life, right? And I had an idea about what I wanted that to look like. I'm like, I'm going to get, I'm going to get back into good graces with baby mama. I'm going to fix that relationship with that kid or whatever. And, um, and, and X, Y, like all these things that I thought I should have. I'm like, I'm finally going to live up to my potential and get the good job and have the career and show up and, and be the God, man that God intended me to be with an idea of what that might look like. Um, at two and a half, three years sober, that is not what happened. Um, and I was mad, y'all. I was fucking pissed. Um, I, I, but I, I didn't want to leave the 12-step fellowships. Um, I, I didn't want to drink. 
I mean, the thought came up, man, I, I was in so much internal. Just I felt the same as I did in those last days of using them when I picked up that last time. And I got scared and I did call my sponsor. I've never called my sponsor when, I, when the idea caught that I needed out of this pain came up. I've never done that before. I don't even think it's a practical way to stay sober. And, uh, but I did call him. I'm like, bro, I think I'm getting worse. And he's like, if you want what we have, you'll do what we do. And he hung up. I'm like, what the fuck? He's like, I need you to show up at this meeting and put your hand out to the new guy and help them feel welcome into the fellowship the way we welcomed you in. And I didn't want to do that shit. But when the thought came up to drink, I also was like, well, I don't want to do that either. By the way, I believe that that was a sane reaction. I believe that's a 10-step promise that was given to me that um, I don't think I can think the way through the drink. Um, I know, I've read a little clinical data that those pathways where I hijacked my reward system a long time ago with drugs and alcohol are still in here. If I pick up again, I'm fucked. But for some, for the, something st stood between me and the drink. Uh, I thought, well, I'll just smoke pot and I'll hide it like I've always done. And, and, and it just like the next thought was, no, you'll fucking ruin your life. That's not my best thinking. That is the psychic change. In my belief, that's the psychic change. And even though I didn't want to put my hand out, I knew somehow that guy was right. I uh, started showing up to meetings more. I started being of service more. I wound up getting a, sp getting a sponsor a couple guys. One guy, I had him, I took him all the way through. He's on his fifth step. And this, is, this will be my last story. So uh, the, uh, and, and I love this guy. And I met him at the same treatment center that I carried the message to. I, I secretaried an alumni meeting for 18 months on the bus to this place. And that, that shit saved my life. I'm not kidding. Um, I show up for this guy. Um, he, he's ready to do his fifth step. I feel like I'm dying inside. I, I kind of want to leave the 12-step fellowship. I kind of want to get loaded. But he's like, hey, it's, uh, can, you know, when can we meet to do my fifth step? And I'm like, come over to my house Saturday at 10 a.m. Or whatever the time was. And, and, I, and, and I, I wanted to, I was like, dude, I don't have anything to offer this guy. Like, I'm supposed to be spiritually sound and listen to him. And I'm just, I was in fear. And, um, but I prayed about it and like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to let this guy down. Like I felt responsible to it, you know, and I cared about what happened to this person. I didn't realize that I'd had a spiritual awakening. I actually cared about what happened to this guy first time ever. And, um, he showed up and he started reading his story and, uh, his fifth step to me. And, and in the middle of December, just the way the light hit through the blinds in that room and this, the way the air shifted, um, I just, I, I don't know what else to call it, but the sunlight of the spirit. And I felt connected to this human in a way I've never felt connected before. And I just felt safe and I knew I felt okay. And I knew that was exactly where I was supposed to be at that moment. And so I'm always happy to help. And I remembered back to that moment when I told my sponsor, I thought I was gonna, I would never stay sober or told him why I thought there was something wrong with me to where he couldn't sponsor me. And he said, that isn't, you know, I, I did that, that he was here to help. I got what he meant that day. Um, um, and then I continued to have an experience. And what happens today is I continue to nurture that relationship through the 10, 11, and 12 that that old timer told me a long time ago to do. But today there's a knowing. Um, and, uh, and, and like I shared a little bit earlier, I walk a free man. Um, thanks for letting me share. Yeah.